My name is Craig Pickett. I'm an executive recruiter. More than a decade ago, I started my practice for one purpose, to use my experience as a former military aviator, business jet sales executive, and P&L leader to help aviation and aerospace companies and their executives be fast, adaptable, and strategic. I do these podcasts to inspire and inform, but more importantly, they are a focused platform to help business leaders grow. Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Hey, welcome. Uh, welcome back to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Uh, y'all know who I am already, but I am thrilled to have uh, Todd Palmer on with me. Todd is the CEO of uh, Extraordinary Advisors. Um, he teaches CEOs and business leaders a style of uh, fail-forward leadership, which helps them identify where they need to go as a business, you know, how to get beyond roadblocks. He's, uh, he's written a couple books. Um, he wrote one called The Job Search Process, which has helped more than, what, 5,000 people uh, land new jobs. Um, and basically, it's, it also shows folks how to create and execute a job, job search in as little as seven days. So he's got some amazing clients that he works out, you know, works with. And Todd, I'm just thrilled to have you on. So uh, welcome. Greg, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here today. This is going to be a good conversation. What did we What did we miss in the introduction? Anything? Did, oh, did, did I get it right? Yeah. Well, so that's where I'm at now. Um, I, I was a CEO for 25 years. I started my company for you know, credit card money, $15,000, and we grew it to a six-time Inc. 5000 company. It's one of the fastest growing in America. I retired from that about three years ago. And now I've been teaching leaders and leadership around the globe on how to create a life by design. Uh, I teach my leaders how to figure out really what they want out of their businesses, figure out where the roadblocks are. I break it really simple. I, think the, I find that a lot of CEOs make it way too complicated. Take the complex, make it simple. Leaders ultimately, when they're in my program, either decide their job is to remove all bottlenecks. That's my one job, my only job. Or they figure out that my second job should be is making it easy. I make it easy for my customers to do business with me, or I make it easy for my employees to work with me. And that's what I do. And if I do that really, really well, and I create processes and systems around those two pieces, I'm able to create a life by design like, the, uh, like Tom on my website, who, whose profits grew 500%, and he now works three and a half days a week. Man, I, I, lo- I like that idea. So. Yeah, yeah, well, and the thing of it is, is it, it is, it is doable if, if I can get my clients to anchor in why they want what they want. And as we were talking about earlier, I, I was blessed to, to meet Simon Sinek before he ever became a big deal. And before he had his famous TED Talk and his awesome books. And I worked with him for two years to figure out my two words, which are improve lives. So as the retired CEO, uh, I now help my clients by helping them improve their lives. When I was a CEO, I was helping the lives of my candidates in my recruiting company, my employees in my recruiting company, and I was improving the lives of the clients that we worked for. So I took that mantra everywhere I went, which made decision-making so much easier, whereas if the decision we were going to make didn't... If, someone, if a client asked us to do something that it didn't improve the lives of my candidates, we would turn down the opportunity. The flip gotcha. side of it is, you know, if we were making decisions internally and it didn't improve the lives of all of our shareholders and all of our stakeholders, we wouldn't do it. So it made decision-making very easy because it went down to my personal why. Gotcha. So, so let's talk, so, you know, in the chaotic world that is today, a lot of people are looking back, you know. You know, uh, 300 years and beyond in, in history and uh, the horrors of the things of the past, you teach fail-forward leadership. What, uh, what's fail-forward? Talk about well, fail-forward leadership. 
if, if you're not failing forward, you're, you're, you're not succeeding. So I, I really, for my clients, part of what I do, and I still use, so I always want to be very, very transparent. I still use a coach. I've had the same coach now for seven years. And he talks a lot about um, the fail forward pieces. So a lot of what I had to get through, a lot of the roadblocks I had to remove in my life, I now teach about that. You know, the, 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 the challenges, the, the mess has become my message. I've been very blessed to, to hire coaches who've helped me get unstuck around some of these things. And my coach talks a lot about that fa failure doesn't exist. If you're trying something and it's not working, all you're doing is learning what didn't right. work. It's really that simple. But our society, our parenting, our world is taught, you know, sports, it's win or lose. Well, even in the loss, you learn. And it's, it's the people in the game, you know, I, I often use football as an analogy. Belichick's really good because he's one of the best in-game managers. He goes in with the plan. He adjusts the plan throughout the course of the game. He's got the right people going in the right direction as a unit, just like a CEO has to do, mm -hmm. just like any company has to do. You have to pivot uh, as you get new data points. You throw an interception. Well, that's a failure. Well, you, you learned that you had the wrong offense in for that defense, and the defense beat your offense. As you go back out there and you play the next play, what are you going to do differently? That's what we as leaders, that's what we CEOs, we have to do. So to sit there and say, you know, it, it, it's about intentionality. I, my intention is I wanted like, I'd like to win the game. My intention is to play the game of business well. In order to do that, I'm going to have to pivot my strategy continually through the course of my business career, through the mm -hmm. course of COVID, through the course of whatever. So you're not really ever going to fail until you quit. And right. even, if you, even if you scrap a bad idea, like we're not going to do this. Like I did that in my business. We're not going to serve this market anymore. Did I fail? I just learned that market didn't serve the best needs of my candidates. So we're going to go to a different market. I didn't fail. I just realized I tried something. It didn't work. I'd learned from it. You know, one of my, my favorite stories, if you'll indulge me, Craig, is about that of Colonel Sanders from Kentucky Fried Chicken. At the age of over 70, he went over on over 1,009 sales appointments before he ever got his first Kentucky Fried franchise. Ten years later, he's got 2,000 franchises around the globe. He's the first international food product provider going overseas before McDonald's, before Burger King. It's, it was the Colonel. He went on 1,009 appointments before he got his first yes. He learned a lot. He didn't yeah. fail. He learned a lot in being told no a thousand times. Well, Walt Disney, the same thing. You know, yeah, was it, Walt, Walt Disney, you know, was what? He had been turned down by you know, a hundred banks. You know, he went yeah. to all the banks and they're like, no, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not giving you any money. And they, yeah, yeah, I can't imagine the pitch. Okay, so I want you to give me a bunch of money to buy the swamp land so that I can put an amusement park on so people will come because I know they'll come. You right. know, they're like, uh, no, we're not going to do that. It, but he didn't quit. He, right. he kept learning. He kept learning how to change his message. He kept learning how to pivot his message. He brought his brother in to help on the deal because you know you want Roy Disney. You know, Walt's the visionary. Roy's the guy who's going to make it happen. Those things are what leaders need to understand. And, and whether you're an, a, a solopreneur, whether you're running a, a multi-million-dollar company, you're you're always learning. The, the and the joy and the blessing is in that learning. It's mm -hmm. not failing. I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're talking about, you know, you talk about Colonel Sanders or Roy Disney, or I think about Steve Jobs at Apple, one of the greatest, you know, quote unquote, innovators. And he, the guy had a vision, but he hired good executors to get it done. But, you know, you know, Jobs was a pretty tough customer. You know, it was absolutely ruthless. Right. And, you know, you know, I think a lot of times today, you know, I, I, what I'm seeing today is that, you know, people are afraid to be 
Yeah, maybe maybe it's you know it's the everybody gets a try, everybody gets an award. You know, we're we're you know, we we're in our businesses. You can't say anything that offends. And I'm all about hey, look, we we you know, we mutually respect people for who they are and you know, you know accept the differences, but that doesn't mean you can't get into a, a boardroom or into a meeting room and and beat the tar out of each other to take some ideas yeah. forward. Am I, I, well, wrong? I, I find that it, it, instead of let's let's challenge the idea. Yeah. What what happens is then that person who proffered the idea feels challenged, and, and what where where things go really off course is when there's no accountability. You know, I, I I'm working with a client right now, and they're struggling in holding their leadership team accountable. Well, we've identified that nobody's holding the CEO accountable. So I raise my hand as his coach, like I have no problem holding Bob accountable. I will hold him accountable, and here's how we're going to measure it. And what he we will then do is he will learn what accountability feels like. He will learn how to be accountable to somebody else. He will learn to keep his word and the company will turn around and that's slowly where it's going. Now Bob is in the tough spot of he's got one manager who won't be held accountable. Well, either you, either your, one of your core values is accountability or it isn't. Well, it is. Well, we make hiring and firing decisions based on our core values. Because mm -hmm. if, if you don't, if you're not going to live by it or die by it, then it's nothing more than it's, it's, it's kind of an ideal, but it's not a core value. And we're having that very difficult conversation of we he's going to have to let this leader go because she's not getting on board with being accountable she wants to do things her way well her way isn't working the data-driven decisions that he's making are showing her way isn't working she's going to have to be moved on to a job that's going to be a better suiting for her I, I, is she a failed hire no the system was that she worked she worked well in the old system there's a new system she's not working with it yep. let's give her the permission the freedom to go get another job and be successful maybe somewhere where her creative juices are going to be more more entertained. But right yeah. now, this business is in, in trouble. It needs to turn around, and she needs you to get on board, or she needs to leave. Yeah, and and that's a very fair. You know, that's a very fair. You know, hey, look, in my in my role, I see people. They're like, hey, look, this isn't working. This isn't working out, and it's like, well, hey, look, if you want to do it your way, that's cool. Go go have your own business. You know, go go be in your own business where you can do everything your way and success or failure is on you. But if you're in you know, somebody else's business, either you're rowing, you know, if you're in their canoe, either you're rowing with everybody else or you're steering or you're doing something to move the boat forward. Well, but if yeah. you're just bucking the system, you're, if you're just bucking the system, you're dead weight. <laughs> well, we, and I think we have a societal challenge right now where either you're right or you're wrong. Yeah. I, I argue that, if you're the creative person in a company that has to have practice rigor and discipline, it doesn't make the company wrong. It also doesn't make you wrong. It just makes the fit not going to work. And that's okay. Right. If we can get to a, a place within business and, we, and with other sectors of life where you can have that duality of the and both world, it, it, it can really, I think it can create one, a, a lot of success, two, a lot of profits, and three, a lot of healing in some in cases where the, you know, the employee feels victimized or the leadership feels, feels taken advantage of, well, no, it, it, it's okay. It, you're a great person. You're just not a great person for the job I have available to you. It doesn't negate you as a human being. It doesn't negate your strengths. One of my, my favorite authors is David Rendell. He wrote a book called The Freak Factor. He's like, what's weird makes you wonderful. Play to your strengths. Right. It, nothing wrong with playing to your strengths. But if this organization doesn't need your strengths, that doesn't make the organization wrong and it doesn't make you wrong. It just makes it a bad fit. So mm -hmm. let's, let's uncouple that fitting. 
Well, everybody's talking about, you know, along the same lines, everybody's talking about, you know, build your brand, be your brand. And I'm like, hey, look, if you want, if you want your brand to be, you're walking into your office in jeans and boots and a cowboy hat with a, with a buckle, you know, the size of a rodeo clown, that's cool. Yeah. But, you know, the guys, the, the brand of he's the quiet guy or girl in the corner getting really amazing stuff done, that works too. I mean, you of don't course. have to be this, you know, it's, it's, you know, what's your brand? Hey, look, I'm just the quiet person in the corner who focuses and gets stuff done. That, yeah. that, that's a great, yeah, that's a great brand. I run into that a lot. I, I, I'm actually working with a branding company right now because people want to hire me as a coach to help them do certain things. And in my coaching is I coach leaders and I coach leadership teams to have massive success. Part of that is being accountable. Part of that is taking a look at what does the leadership team want? What does the entrepreneur want and why do they want it? And then anchoring them into their core values. And one of the first things we have to do is we have to figure out those pieces. There are coaches who just put in systems. There's a system called EOS. There's a system called uh, scaling up gazelles. Those coaches are really good at putting in a system. I sit above those systems and I help leaders figure out why they're not honoring their commitments. Why aren't they doing what they're doing? why are they stuck around some of these things? And because I was a CEO and because I had a lot of those issues, I can speak from experience where a process implementer maybe hasn't had the same experiences. It doesn't mean that my, my coaching is invalid or their coaching is invalid. They're just two different types of coaching and that's okay. There's a need in the marketplace for both. Yeah. Well, the, you know, once again, too, it's, you know, the one thing I learned in the military is accountability you are accountable for which you, you, you are accountable for that, which you are responsible. And at the end of the day, if you are given, you know, if, if you're given the responsibility and the account, you know, you're given the ability to you know, get it done. It's not micromanage. It's not, you know, Hey, you know, you know, but if you don't get it done, someone's going to ask you what happened. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, look, you're, you're, you, you've got the responsibility, you've got the authority. And, and, you know, one of the things that I I've seen in businesses, a lot of people are, you know, they have their morning meeting at seven o'clock. You know, they bring everybody in on Monday. Yeah. You know, we're going to have a 7am Monday morning meeting and they say, what you got? Mm -hmm. What you got? So, so as a coach, I would say, well, show me your agenda. What's on the agenda? What are we going to talk about? Let's take your hour meeting into 15 minutes and make it productive versus yeah. what you got. What you, you got? Yeah. You take it to a half hour and talk about your weekend. That's okay too. And yeah. you know, go, going back to your point of accountability, I, I, I really do raise my hand up and I speak from experience of lack of accountability. You yeah. know, I was a young entrepreneur. Uh, I had 10 years into my run and I had, made, I, had been un, I had not been accountable at times. I had made mistakes at times and I had imposter syndrome. The itty bitty negative committee in my head was telling me if the business is great, Todd's great. If the business is bad, Todd's a terrible leader. And I was just riding that elevator in my head and I would bring that to the office. And then I would get angry at my staff and they wouldn't produce. And I would keep people around because I would be, I was conflict averse. I would turn away from the conflict and not deal with mm -hmm. it. So by that point, you know, 10 years in, I'm $600,000 in debt, I'm two months away from running out of all of my money, including losing my house. I'm a single parent at the time. My kid's freaking out. I'm beating myself up, not only as a leader, now as a parent, it's just mounting, mounting, mounting. And I finally had to raise my hand up and I had to ask for help. I, had to, I hired a coach to help me get unstuck. I hired a coach to help me turn that business around because I was going to crash into the mountain using a plane analogy. My plane was going right in the side of Kilimanjaro. And I, I just kept thinking, well, if I don't look out the window, it's not going to happen. Oh no, it's going to happen. I need to be accountable to pull up, go around, fix this business 
And thankfully I did. And the coach was held me to rigor accountability. Every day I had to check in with him. And it was more mindset work. Like you need to do five positive things every day because right. your doom loop is telling you how much you suck. We've got right. to get you unstuck. We've got to get you focused on what you're doing well because you do things well. So do more of those, do less of those, redo your team. And I said, well, I keep hiring people with just a recruiting experience. He was like, that doesn't seem like it's working for you. Why don't right. you try, try something different? It's a game with a model, hire for DNA, not for resume. And I would hire great people who bought into the core values and I taught them to be great recruiters. So all these different things, people can say, well, gosh, you're a, what an idiot. You, you were $600,000 in debt. What a massive failure you were. Because at the time, the person who was saying that to me the most was my 11-year-old kid coming to me saying, um, Mr. Smith across the street said you should just file for bankruptcy, dad. And here's what I told him, Craig. I said, I can't file for bankruptcy. It's a choice I cannot do because I tell you as my son to be accountable to your, your team. I tell right. you as my son to be accountable to your academics. I tell you as my son to be accountable to me as your father. If I, if I don't model that behavior and I be accountable to that debt that I created and my clients created because they went bankrupt on me, I'm not, I'm not honoring my core value of being a good father. And I, I had that conversation with him once when he's 11. Flash forward, he's now 20, he was 27 at the time. He just graduated college with a degree in, in accounting. We're hiking up um, in, uh, down in Peru in Machu Picchu. And he starts telling me that story again. I had completely forgotten about it. And I was so thrilled that, that, you know, as parents, we sometimes don't get the reward that our kids actually listen. My kid was actually listening and it, and it mm -hmm. landed with him and he, it, it helped him around the phase of accountability. So now as a millennial, I'm very proud to say he's a super accountable millennial versus yeah. the, the where's my handout millennial. Well, well, you know, look, I, you know, I, uh, I've got twins. My, my twins are freshmen in college. My, my son's pre-med at Carolina, North Carolina. My daughter is a, nursing school at University of North Carolina, Wilmington. And I feel bad. I mean, I think about when I was in college, you know, 30 years ago and, you know, we partied, we drank, you, you know, did all the stuff you shouldn't be doing. You sort of went to college, you sort of went to class and graduating with a C was okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, I, 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 look, I look at what my son's doing and all summer long, you know, he's, he can't go, you know, it's, it's all, his internship got canceled because of COVID. So he's sure. taking some summer school classes and he's, he's like, look, if I, you know, organic chemistry gets me you know, 96, but he studies his ass off. He's like, look, I, you know, I, I, I'm in my room, you know, five hours a day studying mm -hmm. organic chemistry. He's accountable but, to himself. Yeah, but he's accountable. And, and there's something in, I would argue there's probably something inside of him that makes him accountable, whether it's the parenting that you, you provided in your household, something within him that he really is passionate about medicine, wants to contribute to the world in that way. But you're not hovering over him, telling him what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. He's choosing that. I mean, yeah. it really does come about choice because he could choose to go hang out with his friends if he could, or he could choose to play on video games online. He'd choose to wrap himself up in YouTube and TikTok. He can make all those choices. He's choosing to create, you know, five hours a day, academic focus so that he can be, uh, you know, continuing his education or maybe even ahead of his peers. That's brilliant. How do you, you know, so, the, you know, we've got the cancel culture going on. We've got nobody wanting to be accountable for anything. And it's always so, you know, it's, it, you know I literally turn on the news, which I'm, I'm not doing anymore. And it's yeah. all somebody else's fault. Um, you know, how do we drive accountability into businesses? Um, yeah, but but in a way, I mean, I I feel for the CEO today, who's trying to drive accountability into his businesses. You know, but at any minute, at any day, all somebody has to do is show an email, 
you know, a, a YouTube, a blog, or something he said, did, wrote somewhere in time, and and it's all over. How do you how do you drive? Yeah, how do you get your teams to focus on what's important versus well, uh, what's, it, what's, it's, what's noise? It's it's really key to I think for at least the companies I work with, it comes down to a couple of things. I, I'm really challenging my my leaders to to communicate 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 and then communicate again and because they're and they're because they're, they're, they're struggling with communication because of the uncertainty because of the change and i've got i've got a client who's a manufacturer you know she was not getting all you know all of her staff it was, was they were not essential they were all laid off and she wasn't she, she was communicating she was oh, i'm sending out an email every day so what what kind of engagement are you getting i'm not getting any Said you're a, and I know her. She's a heart-centered leader. Everything she's, you know, she's the one who will stand. It out. Yeah, she she will stand. I call it ATV. She'll be authentic, transparent, vulnerable in front of her team. She will cry. I mean, she's she is all in. I said, well, they they've experienced you in real time this way. What you're doing is you're you're, you're hiding behind the computer. You're hiding behind the typed mm-hmm. word. I said, why don't you send them a video? She, I go, you got them all in your 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 um your your Slack channel. Send them all a video. And she said, and she goes. I don't know what I'd say. So it's really simple. Hi, I miss you. Hi, I'm thinking of you. Hi, I care about you as human beings. Hi, I'm worried about you and your family. Here's yeah. where the business stands. Here's what I've done. Here's the companies I've talked to. Here's our clientele. Here's the stuff I don't know yet. But, and I'll give you an update as soon as I have it. And I'll check in with you tomorrow. She's like, oh, I was making it too complicated. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing communication? It solves a lot of problems. I mean, well, you think about email. I'm going to send, I'm really mad at that person. I'm going to send them a text. Right. Well, you know, your, 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 your iPhone or your desk phone has got these little things called buttons on it. And, uh, you know, I can, I can, I can, you know, it, it looks like that. And you can push the little buttons and actually call people and talk to them and say, right. yo, well, Dude. Here's the reverse of that, though. You're feeling really good about something, and you shoot somebody a text. They're in a negative mindset. They yeah. read your text through their filter. They apply their enunciation of negativity, and all of a sudden, you're, you, you've picked a fight you didn't even know you picked. The, the downfall of business, I, 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 I swear to God, Todd, the downfall of business is going to be Slack. It's going to be Teams. It's going to be text and email when you should just be picking up the phone going, Hey, I'm not understanding what's going on here, but before it gets before it gets out of control, before somebody gets mad, let's talk about where we're at. Well, and, and, it, and it's a very yeah. non-threatening conversation. Yeah, and, and, it, and it goes back to the, the you know, your job as a CEO is to remove bottlenecks. One of the bottlenecks is lack of communication, yeah. so let's communicate more and make it easy. Well, I can make it a whole lot easier for my customers if I pick up the phone. If I, I can make it a whole lot easier for my, my employees if I walk down the hall when they could and have a mm-hmm. face-to-face dialogue with somebody and not hide behind a monitor. You know, I, I just I just wrote an article about this manufacturer in Wisconsin whose business actually grew during COVID because they, they did this crazy thing and they got on the phone and they started asking customer customers, not can I sell you more of our products, but where are you at? Where's your business? Where are your pain points? What can we do? How can we help you? Right. And if you happen to need what we manufacture, great. But what relationships, what introductions, what banks can we introduce you to, for example, or what vendors can we help you with? And I'm talking to her and she's awesome. And she, what is she? She's like 67, 68 years old now. And she's telling me this story about, she goes, I just did what we were supposed to do. I called up, it's like, 
She was like, I grew up in a town and we reached out to our neighbors in times of crisis and we offered our help and assistance. And that's what my salespeople did. And I told them not to sell a damn thing. And she was, we magically started getting all these POs because people felt heard, they felt seen, and they felt cared for. At yeah. the end of the day, we are people selling to people. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I did that during COVID too. I, I talked to people. Last thing I talked to people about, it goes, how can I be a value to you? Right. And immediately they immediately they say, well, yeah, they think, oh, you're an executive recruiter. You want a place? Well, I don't need anybody right now. It's like, look, that's I didn't ask if you needed somebody. Right. How can I be of value to you? I've got a Rolodex and a network of people. If there's somebody in my Rolodex or network of people that's going to help your business, tell me who's going to be of value to you. I, I, I know a lot of bankers. I know a lot of private equity guys. I know a lot of, you know, you know I, I talk to a lot of people who are talking about trends. What kind of information are you not getting that you need that I can, that I can help you with? And, yeah. and, and, and if that, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, Hey, yeah, everybody. Yeah, I'm, yes, I'm here to do business. But if I help you as a business person, my business will be fine. If I'm right. just throwing bodies at you, I'm just the I'm just the body thrower. So you know, it's 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 a very it's amazing. You know, just the basics, the basic tenets. Well, it, it's one of the challenges I think we have in, in today's world, where, like you said, we could you know we have a lot of Facebook friends, we have a lot of LinkedIn connections, but how many relationships do we have? Yeah. And it's the relationship currency that I'm, I'm hoping. What I, I, I was just talking to my uh, my partner Jennifer last night about this is what where, what are the blessings of COVID? And I'm thinking of all the relationships I've rekindled, all the new people that I've been assisting, and all the new relationships and people I've met because people had time to talk and they yeah. and they and they didn't feel the, the sense of hurry and the sense of busy and I've got to get Johnny to soccer and Janie to dance class and. People actually had time to take a breath and, and listen and have conversations. And it's been so, so incredibly heartwarming to, to reconnect with people that I had dropped the ball with or people yeah. who I felt had dropped the ball with me. And we've now had different conversations. Have I gotten clients out of it? Magically, I actually have gotten clients out of it. But that was not my intention. My intention, yeah. like you, was to be of service to my fellow human being. Servant Leadership 101. It's the, and people feel that. What they can't do is they can't feel that in a text, right? They can feel it. They can see it. They can hear it through a Zoom call or even through a telephone call. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's funny. I connected with somebody in Australia through a conversation I had with them on Facebook because they posted that they were in crisis. I said, "How can I help you?" They said, "I we don't even know each other." I said, "That's okay. I can't afford you. I'm not asking to be paid." She's now become my biggest champion down under. It's awesome. Yeah, she was she was in pain. I had some ideas around how she could be in less pain. And she's right. been very grateful for that. You know, it's amazing. The, the, the little things you do, you know, from bit, from a business standpoint, you know, the little, the, the, the little things you do, you know, there's a guy, there's a guy down the road who, who owns a hammer. He's got a, you know, we go to it all the time. You know, it's called, you know, PT's, you know, you know, grill. Mm -hmm. And the owner of it, uh, you know, the owner of it is a guy I know. And, all of the staff, you know, I walk in, they're like, hey, Craig, what's going on? How are you doing today? That makes me want to go back more. They know oh, exactly yeah. what I want. One day he picks up my tab and I said, don't, don't, don't ever do that again. I, I've got plenty of money. I can pay my bill. You know, just make sure your staff keeps me happy. You know, well, it's, and, and it's, I, it's, 
You, you make a, such a great point, though. It's, it's what I hear is a reciprocal relationship. Yeah. You, you want to give him your business. He wants to thank you for giving him right. the business, and it's a reciprocal situation. I, I had a very similar story. We had a, you know, D- Detroit was really crushed with COVID. A lot of businesses were just, you yeah. know, shut down. So we, had, we, had, we were a hot zone for a while. And there is a, a little family owned restaurant that I love going to because it's healthy food, it's Mediterranean, Middle Eastern. And I went there like three times one week and just ordered and called and picked it up. And the owner was there and he was there every time I went there. And I, I said, are you going to be okay? And he's like, why do you ask? I said, because you're here as the owner of a family run business. And I know you guys are, could be in a tough spot. Because he really goes, I really appreciate you asking because I noticed you've been, this is your third time here this week. I said, I said, I'm a, I've, I've owned small businesses. I was a CEO. I know how much it's important mm-hmm. to invest in our community. And he goes, I'm so appreciative of you thinking of, he goes, yeah, my family is struggling. We will be okay. They did plan for the rainy day, which a lot of small businesses unfortunately didn't. And, and every time I've seen him, he, we've now created a new connection because he's so appreciative of that. You know, I could have got that food anywhere. I chose to get it from him. And mm-hmm. he's appreciative of that. Just like your guy's appreciative. Did you come in and you're, you kind of said, when you said that, hey, Craig, I think, oh, you're like Norm at Cheers. People appreciate yep. the, 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 the reciprocal relationship in the, in the customer loyalty from a great experience. It, and when the great thing about it is and customers need, clients need to understand this too, is like when you, I love it when the, the I get more traction when I, a, a vendor makes a mistake than when they always get it right. Cause then we have to have a conversation and it gives them the opportunity to really show up and to make things right. And so they right. messed up my order one time and he was so apologetic. I'm like 12 out of 13 orders have been great. It's, it's okay. Because yeah. no, I, I need to make this right. I need to make this right. I love that. You, that's 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 one human being servicing another. We just happen to be doing it through food. Yeah, you know. And the other thing too is this is something people they get. You know, uh, you know, good leaders. They understand. You know, when there when there's an issue, the first thing you do is you know you know communicate the issue. And what I found is like the easiest thing to say is I'm in a box. Can you help me get out of the box? Mm-hmm. You know. And the and and here's my the 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 challenge I have is you know you're going to be unhappy with my challenge but let's work together to figure out how to make it right. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, people will respond positively to "I'm in a box." Oh, for sure. You know, it's like look, this is a challenging conversation. I'm in a box. Help me help you, or help me make it right. Yeah. 99.9% 99.9% of the time people do it. If, so you, many, if yeah. you call them up and say, this is the way it is, you've got a 99.9% chance of screwing up that business relationship Absolutely. forever. Well, it's, it's so important. And so many leaders really do struggle with what you're talking about is leaning into those uncomfortable conversations. And I always try to remind them, I said, it's a lot more uncomfortable in your head than it is in the real world. And if you own your part of it, like you're saying, hey, listen, this, I'm in a box. I'm pinned in. These are the options I see myself having. I want to make it right with you. Do you mm-hmm. see something else? How can we work together? Because you're, you're important. And I'm saying to you, by calling you, you're important to me as a human being. Your business is important to me as well. How can we make this right? Even if we're going to end the relationship, let's end the relationship so that we can, if we see each other at an event, we can walk over and shake hands versus, oh, there's Bingo. that guy. And Oh, yeah. But I, I, I kid you not, Craig, it's so hard to get a lot of these leaders to, to lean into those uncomfortable moments because they actually psychologically think they're safer by leaning away. But they're actually, by having that conversation, they actually heal, they grow, and they're better from it. 
It's just, it's just like going to the gym. It's like, oh, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts in the moment, but you're, you're fitter, you're healthier, your body's in better shape in the long run. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's grit. I mean, it's a little yeah. bit of grit. It's grit. You know, you get to that wall, you know, the, you, know you, you read Angela. It was Angela Duckworth who wrote the book. Yeah, grit. yeah. And she says, yeah, now I love the analogy she used about all the kids getting accepted to West Point, And they're all like perfect kids or they're, they're scholarship. They're great athletes. They're great students. They're, they've never failed. They've, they've worked for two years to get admitted to West Point, And then they get there and like 30% of them drop out in the first week. Yeah. You're like, what, what do you mean? What? Yeah. And, and it's probably people that have never seen failure. They don't well, understand what failure is. So, so going back to my coach, one of the biggest lessons he's taught me, and he, so he's, in, he's, a, he's a coach, but he's a, his basis is in medicine. He's a neuroscientist by training. He literally has done brain surgery. He literally can put your brain under an MRI, ask you different questions, and it's really kind of a fun thing, and different parts of your hemispheres fire up. And he's like, he goes, people need to understand that the only way, we, literally the only way we learn is when, we make it, when something doesn't work the first mm -hmm. time. Is the, going back to those kids, if they were naturally gifted in academics or, or they've been super disciplined, and they, which has allowed them to, to study well and they, they've always done academic well and our standardized testing systems, when they go to a West Point and they experience failure for the first time, they're devastated versus the kid who's, you know, this is one of my favorite stats, the, the, the average GPA of a millionaire is a C, he's a C student. C student, right. Yeah, yeah which is awesome. I love that because I was a C student. I'm like, I was never a rocket scientist genius kid. And it's, it's those learning opportunities, it's those stumbling, those skinning of our knees. You know, um, I, I, so you know, we were talking earlier about the, I, I'm a baseball guy. I still play competitive baseball at my age. And I, and I love it as an analogy for life, and I love it as an analogy for business. You're successful in baseball if you fail seven out of 10 times as a hitter. You're a 300 hitter. Right. If you want to, you know, at our age, you can still be a 400 hitter because the pitching is diminished and for whatever other reason. Well, I literally learn every pitch, every at bat to get better. And I still make outs. That doesn't mm -hmm. make me a bad player. And so, so I got frustrated a couple of years ago and I hired a hitting coach my age. I hired a hitting coach. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm not my batting average. And he goes, you're looking at the wrong data. What, what data should I be looking at? You should be looking at how many times did you square up the baseball? How many times did you do your job to the best of your ability, whatever your ability is. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I made that switch, because watch, you're going to enjoy the game more. You're going to probably have a higher batting average over the course of a season, and you're going to have more fun doing it. It's a sport for crying out loud. Quit taking it, treating it like it's you know, uh, you know, hostage negotiations. This is, should be fun. And I, I pivoted my mindset. I, I watched different things, and I did have more fun. So yep. it's it's all applicable across business, sports, parenting, marriage, everything. You're winning or you're learning. Yeah, That's absolutely. The, you're winning or you're learning. Yeah, I think I think Nelson Mandela said that. Uh, I'm not sure who said it, but it's a great. But it is a one hundred. It was probably the truest statement ever, you know, ever said. Yeah. And you know, I, I, it scares me now because I I think in business today, I, I really yeah, you know, it just scares me. I think we're at this pivotal moment in business where everybody wants to be everything to everybody. Yeah. And eventually, somebody's going to learn. I can't be everything to everybody. I, I need to be, you know, look, yeah, thirty percent of the people are gonna just hate me anyway. So I'll just accept the fact that they're gonna hate me. And yeah, I, I would really challenge the because I went through the same thing in the in the you know, I'd been a CEO and we'd gone from a, a general staffing provider to a we became very hyper-niched, skilled trades machinists, manufacturing, these these cities, that's what we did. That's all we did. And it grew mm -hmm. the business, got us out of debt, made the ink. 
Um, and now I'm doing that with my coaching practice. I've realized that my branding, my messaging, my marketing should appeal to my ideal client. And there are plenty of ideal clients out there. I can't be all things to all people all the time. And mm-hmm. I still, and I even, even knowing that from my previous business experiences in the beginning, like, well, I still want to make everybody happy. And I want to be all things to all people all the time. And it's just not, I'm, I'm telling your listeners, it's not possible. If everybody's yeah. going to the right, there's a section to the left that needs your services. Figure out what you do better than anybody else in the world. If you're a, if you're an aviation recruiter, what makes you the best aviation recruiter in the world? If you're a, a pilot, what makes you the best pilot in the world? If you're a CEO, what makes you the best CEO in the world for what you do? And know that, be able to tell that story, and you will attract your ideal audience. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's well, you know, it's, uh, you talked about your friend, the neurosurgeon. You yeah. know, it's, uh, you know, the neurosurgeon focuses on brains. There are, there are orthopedic surgeons who do nothing but hands. If you yeah. want knees, if you want, if your knee's broken, you go to, you go to my buddy down the hall. There's other guys that do, you know, spines. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't want the doctor who took care of my kid's sniffles doing brain surgery on me. Bingo. He cannot, you know, it's, it's like, it, it's like be, you know, pick, picking out, you know, get in a lane, be really good in, in your lane, stay yeah. in your lane. And if you want to branch out, you know, figure out a way to branch out, but understand that that's going to come at a cost. It's so funny. I was working with this company on the West Coast in the recruiting space, and they were a general service provider in the healthcare staffing space. They, within a course of five years, they went from healthcare staffing to healthcare staffing for school systems to a certain section of the school system. They eventually got it down to, they were the number one provider, I believe it was of like physical, school system physical therapists in the state of California. Their margins skyrocketed because you think, oh my gosh, it's such a small segment. Well, what they did is they decided to own the supply chain. So they, they, they created relationships with all the physical therapists coming out of school. Yeah. So they, they only, the therapists said, oh, they always thought of that company. And then they would reverse it back into the schools and, and they made a killing doing it. And when COVID hit, they were worried about hitting a hit revenue because schools are coming down. Schools knew they needed those people so much. They made them the lunch ladies to hand out the school lunches to the kids who were in need as they were driving up and they, were, they would talk to the kids through the window, giving them the help they needed. It was yep. brilliant. The yeah, revenue I, just dropped a little bit, but they doubled I, down on a small snitch. I know a guy does the same thing with dentists and he places dentists. He, he, char- he doesn't charge very much. He charges, I think, $7,000 per dentist that he charges, but he, charges, but it's, but he places a thousand of them a year. You know, and you think about, hey, look, it's a $7 million business between him and four or five other people. You know, it's uh, like, okay, yeah, we, yeah. we got all the dental schools. We're well known and, and it's good. So Yeah, brilliant. Love it. So, yeah, look, I want to have you back. You know, any longer than this, people are going to start to tune out. So let's do this. Let's end it here and then have you back in a couple of weeks and talk some more about it because it's, great, great. it's a great subject. So fail forward leadership is your style, of, is, is what you're teaching. You got a new book coming out. Tell me yeah. about that. You know, uh, so that should be out in, in October. There's a lot of the stuff we're talking about right now. It's got the Colonel Sanders story, and it's got my story, and it's got other stories in it. And really what it does is it helps the leader who's stuck get unstuck. It helps the leader who, who's got the itty-bitty negative committee in their head telling them how, much, how to stop those things. So a lot mm-hmm. of the things that, that I coach my clients through, what I've done is I've really taken a look at a cross-section of the biggest problems they've run into and I've realized there's a gap in the marketplace. It, so it's, it's, not a, it's not a process on how to set up your HR department. My book is not a process on how to have a, a better accounting system or how to get two departments to talk better together. Mine is, okay, I have these two leaders that are super key in my company. 
I can't live without either one of them, and they're always at war. How do I fix that? That's what I do. I'll look forward to seeing that one. Yeah. So, Thank you. Good stuff. So, Todd Palmer, thanks for coming on today. I enjoyed right, it. Thanks so much for having and me. How do, people get, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah. So the best place to reach you is on my website, extraordinaryadvisors.com. And if, if anybody heard anything that resonated with them today and they want to get unstuck on something, reach out. Todd at extraordinaryadvisors.com. I'm happy to give you 30 minutes for free. I'm not going to try to sell you something. It really goes into my core. What The joy I get out of it is my core value of improving lives. If you want to reach out, let's have a conversation. Let me help you with whatever you're facing. I just talked to somebody. Uh, I did a podcast recently. I talked to somebody down in Zambia. I'm like, these podcasts are fascinating, how their reach. And she had a small little business, and she was very stuck, and we got her unstuck. And she, she, she sent me an email, and she's like, oh, my gosh, I made, I made more money the three days after talking to you than I have made the entire year because I saw different opportunities. So that's the great thing about a coach. The great thing about the programs like yours is it help, gives people different ways to look at things. Every successful athlete, every successful business leader, every successful whatever musician has had a coach somewhere. So uh, it's it, it, it's a great it's a great story. So good stuff. Reach out to Todd and let's have him back. We're gonna have him back on in a couple of weeks. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthstarESG.com. Or check us out at www.northstaresg.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.